With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Driving on that man's wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With your hosts, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling till I need you here. And John Harlow. And it's a half past four and I'm shifting gear. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Talking in circles. Clayton Caldwell and John Harlow here with you tonight, bringing you the best of the NASCAR talk. The media week, NASCAR media week, is is kicks off the last two days here. We've had media weeks. A lot of silly season news has come out, including the news about Danica Patrick, where she will run in the Daytona 500, her, NAS, her final career NASCAR race. We're going to discuss her chances of winning the 60th Daytona 500. Also, Kyle Busch made headlines today, called uh, that NASCAR promoting young drivers, quote-unquote, stupid. We'll get our opinions on that. Also, the Hall of Famers this week. We'll talk about uh, some of the, the, the great Hall of Famers that were inducted into the Hall of Fame. David Gilland bought the assets of Red Horse Racing. Um, they're going truck racing in here in 2018. And Thor Sport moves to Ford. We'll talk about all that and more. Your phone calls, 917-889-8280, here tonight on Talking in Circles. But first, John Harlow, the big news of the week is Danica Patrick. She will run in the Daytona 500. It was a lot of speculation. GoDaddy.com will sponsor her. A lot of speculation as far as who she was going to drive with. Um, you know, it wasn't – it got down to, uh, you know, two, three weeks here before the Daytona 500. They didn't have a lot of, um, you know, big-time options. And now it seems to be Premium Motorsports. She'll be locked into the Daytona 500 via Premium Motorsports with a charter. Uh, it's going to be RCR engines and chassis. And Tony Yuri Jr., the former crew chief of Dale Earnhardt Jr. and her crew chief in the Xfinity Series for a couple of years, will be her crew chief in the 60th running of the Daytona 500. What are your thoughts on Danica Patrick's ride here, John? And, and what are your thoughts on her uh, winning the 60th Daytona 500? And what's interesting is, you know, I'm not sure that this was something that Danica uh, – you know, tried to, you know, wanted this. I'm sure she obviously wanted a big-time ride. And, uh, you know, Premium Motorsports isn't that big-time a ride. And, John, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I, I think when you look at Premium Motorsports, you know, it was a it was a thing that um, kind of just fell into her lap. You know, we talked about maybe Richard Childress racing being around for a little while. Uh, that seems to, to fall out as the 27 charter is no longer around um, or, or they're doing something else with that charter. We'll probably find out here in a week or two. Uh, but what are your thoughts on, on Danica and premium motorsports? I think uh, Michael Waltrip took that car to the top 10 last year. So it's got a puncher's chance. Um, the thing is, Tony Urey Jr. Has been on a pit box in three years and the cars have changed a hell of a lot in the last three years. And Danica can get what he what she needs to. The problem is with Daytona, you stay with the draft, you got a chance. If 
somebody makes a mistake around you, you're in bad shape. And the thing is, it just seems that a lot of times people make mistakes around Danica. She can she can drive a good restrictor plate race. She does well with it. But I just don't think they're going to have the – I don't know what they're going to use for a crew. We know Tony Jury's, Tony Urie Jr. is on the box. We don't know what he's going to be able to do with the car. I don't know how he's going to set it up unless they get set up straight from RCR or something like that. And he just says, okay, pit now and makes a decision between two and four. Because a lot of times at Daytona, once you get out there, there aren't a whole hell of a lot of adjustments you make. I mean, it's it's a handling track, but it's not a handling track right now because the uh, pavement hasn't worn out enough to make it a handling track the way it used to. Uh, one of the things that I think is really interesting when it came from Media Week when it comes to Danica, um, Harvick piped in today and said Danica came into the sport at an unbelievable disadvantage. And, I mean, it makes total sense. Harvick said when she took her first lap in a stock car, he'd been driving stock cars for 20 years. She can drive a stock car for 10 years. Guess what? Harvick's still going to have 20 years more experience with her on a stock, in a stock car. And it makes sense. I mean, you look, how many people came from open wheel into stock cars and have been successful? Indeed, a stock car. I can only think of two who did anything and only one who's been a real success. That was Tony Stewart. Montoya won a race and was respectable here and there. Casey Kane, Jeff Gordon, Ryan Newman, Kyle Larson. They were coming up through the open real open wheel ranks of the sprint cars and midgets and things like that, but they never went IndyCar racing. They went straight to NASCAR and cut their teeth with 3,300-pound cars. I don't think Danica ever got that sh- the real shot and was never really able to adjust to it. You want to know why I well, think that- she's going to fit in this 500? Top 10 if she doesn't get in a wreck. Well, listen, and, and here's my thing with that, and you brought up a good point. Listen, I, I totally agree. I think um, when you look at Danica Patrick's career, it's a disappointment. But I said when GoDaddy and everybody was talking, and Tony Stewart can, can get blamed for this, when they were talking about bringing her cup after one full-time season in the Xfinity series, I was like, listen, this she might need four years in Xfinity. You know, we've seen drivers – who've had four years in Xfinity and be very successful in those four years in Xfinity and come to the cup and still struggle. Um, you know, I, I felt she was very rushed. Um, I also thought she could have taken her job a little bit more seriously than she did, but I thought she was very rushed. And you blame, I blame that a little bit on GoDaddy, and I understand where GoDaddy is coming from. If they are spending all this money on a, on a race car driver, they want to see her in the Premier Series. You know, they just got done with IndyCar, and in IndyCar, she was in the, the premier series in IndyCar. She wasn't in the lights. She wasn't anywhere else like that. She, was, she wasn't in the Xfinity series of the IndyCar. She was in the top series of IndyCar. Um, so when you go to NASCAR, and all of a sudden you're in the, in the number two series, you kind of sit there and you go, it's great and all, but I want to be in the top series. So I kind of understand where GoDaddy was coming from, but it didn't help her uh, professionally. But she got a shot. She ran in the best equipment possible, and she didn't perform. Plain and simple. And and her little and this is what bothers me about Danica Patrick. Her little well, NASCAR is not a place I wanted to be anymore. Quote this week from media from uh, you know the announcement this week. What a little baloney. I'm sorry. If we all know if she performed and she had sponsorship behind her, she'd still be here in the Cup Series and running in NASCAR. 
and she and she doesn't, and that's unfortunate. And in a way, I feel bad for her because I never want to see anybody go out there and lose their ride because we're talking about actual real people who have jo- who these are their jobs and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, don't try and you know who are you trying to kid that you're sort of quote unquote hanging up on your own terms or retiring on your own terms. You're not doing that. You are out of this sport because nobody really wanted to sponsor you because you were uncompetitive for four years. Let's call a spade a spade and admit that. And, and to me, that's kind of throwing a wool over the trying to throw the wool over the fans' eyes a little bit there and, and say that. But you know, as far as this deal is concerned, I I, I agree with you. I, I don't understand the Tony Urie Jr. move. Um, you know, I I would understand Tommy Baldwin a lot more because Baldwin's worked on these race cars. However. I've heard some situations that Baldwin might not be a part of premium motorsports anymore. So that could be the issue. Um, or, or maybe Baldwin is there and he's just got too much on his plate and he doesn't want to be a crew chief anymore. That's possible as well. But, you know, there's other, you know, no disrespect to Tony Uri Jr. Just hasn't been on the pit box in a long time. And there's plenty of guys out there. Scott Eggleston's won a Daytona 500. And, you know, he's, uh, he's been on the pit box a lot more recently than, than Tony Uri Jr. You know, and Tony Uri Jr.'s resume is good and all, but, uh, he's got two wins in Cup. I know he's worked at Danica in the past, and I think that's the tie. But I don't understand that as far as that's concerned. I just think it's a, you look at it and you scratch your head a little bit and you go, eh, I'm not really sure why they would pull a guy out off the bench here who's been sitting on the bench for three years, four years, and bring him in for a one-off here in the Cup Series. That doesn't make a lot of sense. But, um, you know, like I said, she's locked into the show. You know, something interesting as well, John, that we didn't touch on was – this is an, you know, I know it's premium motorsports and it's RCR, but she's not running the, uh, the, the shootout, the, the qualifier, uh, the, the advanced auto parts class. She's not running that race and she's eligible for it. So, you know, you have to wonder if this is sort of a, if she wrecks in, in the practice or she wrecks in, in the duels, uh, what's going to happen to her? Will they have a quality backup? So that's something to keep an eye on as well, John. Well, there's a couple things that I want to add whenever we're looking at this. Um, you're right. Danica is trying to BS everybody. Well, I knew in April or May that I wanted to be done with cup re- racing because I just wasn't it wasn't feeling it. No, Danica, you were done because you didn't have sponsorship. Be honest with everybody. Nobody Tell the truth. You were done because you didn't have sponsorship. Now, the Tommy Baldwin thing, if you notice, Tommy Baldwin is a hell of a crew chief. Tommy Baldwin does not get along with anybody. He's almost like a suitcase skelter. I mean, Tommy Baldwin got run out of Bill Davis Racing pretty quick right after him and Ward Burton won the Daytona 500. Tommy Baldwin got run out of uh, Robert Yates Racing. Tommy Baldwin got run out of Ray Evernham's. Tommy Baldwin had his own team because nobody really wanted him. I mean, he he knows what he's doing, but Tommy Baldwin, there's just some sort of cancer there, it seems. You look how quick him and Stuart Friesen had the big problems, helping, helping out the 52 truck team. There's something there with Tommy Baldwin that he just does not get along with wherever he's at. He's in and out of some place, most places, within two years and he doesn't own it um the premium motorsports thing I, it's a matter of how much go daddy's putting into this i think they're putting in enough to make a nice shiny hood and have a couple couple spots out of it on tv 
and say we're promoting our new business-to-business model or whatever they're doing with it, that they're promoting small business websites and things, yeah, that's great. I don't think Danica, there's a whole lot of money there because if there was a whole lot of money behind the GoDaddy effort, she'd be in the 27 and it would be a complete RCR, crew chief, crew, all that good stuff. They'd bring somebody up from the Xfinity series if they had to, to run and make sure Danica was respectable if there's a lot of money there. I think GoDaddy's put enough to put a good paint job on there, make sure the entry fees paid, and make sure Danica is paid for the race. Other than that, I don't think there's anything behind it. Yeah, I'm interested to see just how much speed that car is going to have come speed weeks here when we qualify for the Daytona 500 here in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, again, it's it's just uh, it's premium, and, and and I think it's premium motorsports sort of the name stamped on it because of the charter situation and everything like that. Um, you know, it could very well be an RCR car. We still don't know what's going on with that 27 charter. I have a feeling it's Starcom Racing. We thought we'd get an announcement over the weekend. Haven't seen anything yet. I just think they're sort of crossing the T's and dotting the I's there as far as, uh, you know, who's going to drive that car and what, what number that car is going to be. Um, you know, I think that might be a possibility Jeffrey Earnhardt goes there, stuff like that. So, um, you know, they'll probably want to do their own thing. But still, you know, you would think um, if it was an RCR chassis uh, that you would be in that. And, and again – you know, John, do you think it's a big deal that you don't run this uh, these the Advanced Auto Parts Clash if you're Danica Patrick as far as, you know, when we don't get much testing. And, and with the engine rule now, you know, the sealed engines that they're going to run, it's only you can only have one engine th- this entire weekend during speed weeks. So you're going to see a lot of these teams. There's reduced practice time, but you're going to see a lot of these teams uh, not go on a track and, and try and save their engines as much as they can for 500 miles and 120, 150-mile qualifying races on Thursday, um, you know, and adding a whole nother 7,500 miles to that engine uh, could have been a big deal for Danica Patrick and that, uh, and that team. But, you know, with that limited practice time, you want as much track time as you possibly can get to get the car to handle perfectly. Do you think it's a big deal she's not in this advanced auto parts clash uh, as far as how competitive she win? Because, you know, if you're going to do a one-off deal like this, you want to give give an opportunity and get the best shot you have at winning one of these race, this race. And with the event, my, I guess my question is at the end of the day, would the advanced auto parts clash, her participation in that race, would that give her a better opportunity to win the Daytona 500 in your mind? Or is the advanced auto parts class sort of just kind of, you know, a, 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 preliminary event that has no meaning to the Daytona 500. What are your thoughts? I think it's a preliminary event that has no meaning to the Daytona 500. Um, A lot of times the weather is completely different from the week before the Daytona 500 and the week after. Uh, The one thing I have a question about when it came to the sealed engine rule, which I've never heard anybody talk about, what happens if you got a new team? Because if I remember correctly, the 150-mile duels, don't they have to use the sealed engine from Talladega last year? Or is that for the duel? But if you're a new That's team, a good question. what are you using? If you got a brand, I mean, you have to find somebody else's sealed engine to use for these races? Or do you got an engine that's freshly tuned and have a better shot at it than the guys who already got 500 miles on the race? Yeah, that's a good point, John. And I think it comes down to, um, you know, what NASCAR 
determination. And and we have now. I will do my best here in the next week to find somebody who can explain this to a little bit more of uh, you know detail for us. Because you're right. I, I think there's still a lot of questions to be asked about it. And we're two weeks to speed weeks here, and still really don't know. I mean, it's hard to believe that we're 26 days away from the Daytona 500, and uh, you know, right now we're um, 19 days away from qualifying for the Daytona 500, 18 days before cars hit the racetrack. So we're here. I mean, it's it's here. You know, you got to get everything tied up and everything uh, put into place here, and really, um, you know, figure this whole thing out. You know, we got a lot of news coming out this week. Um, you know, we're going to see DJ Kennington apply. Uh, trying to run the Daytona 500. So there's a lot of, a lot of drivers out there, still a few names, not, um, you know, still a few things left out there that haven't been named yet, but uh, pretty much everything is getting summed up here in the next, here in the next week or two, definitely before we get ready for speed week. So I want to preview. And if you're interested in this uh, Sunday, this Sunday coming up, uh, the, the Sunday before the Super Bowl, we will preview the 2018 season NASCAR season. We'll break down each cup team and give you what, our thoughts on where they're going to run in the 2018 season, and we'll predict our champion uh, before we get ready for Speed Week. So stick around for that if you're interested in that. John, uh, another interesting little news tidbit this week, and it was actually today that Kyle Busch uh, hit the headlines today with this, was Kyle Busch opening up and saying, I'm not happy with NASCAR. He quote-unquote said, it's bothersome. We paid our dues and our sponsors have and everything else, and you're doing – all you're doing – is advertising all these younger guys to figure out and pick on, pick up on and choose their favorite driver. Basically saying that, um, you know, the young kids, uh, NASCAR's promoting these young kids. He said, I think it's stupid, but I don't know. I'm not a marketing genius behind the deal. You know, I just do what I can do. And my part of it is what my part is. End quote. Uh, Kyle Busch is 32. He was a young kid. He started 18 years old in the Cup Series. Uh, he's been running in, in NASCAR since he was 14 years old, it seems like. Um, does, is there any validity behind this? You know, and, and is this a big deal? I mean, do you think that NASCAR is making a mistake here by not promoting Kyle Busch, by not promoting Brad Keselowski, by not promoting Jimmy Johnson, and really going after the Chase Elliott's, the Kyle Larson's, uh, and the Eric Jones and, and Bubba Wallace's of the world? I think it's twofold. I think NASCAR is making a partial mistake by not going after the, I mean, making Kyle Busch, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, the features of who they're talking about. Jimmy Johnson, as good a driver as he is, he's milk toast. There's nothing exciting about Jimmy Johnson. His, the only time there's something exciting there is once in a blue moon, him and Chad will have a pissing contest on the radio. That's about it. Jimmy Johnson is super – there's nobody better at being Joe Lowe's corporate sponsor talking guy. But there's no excitement to it. Um, Kyle Busch, they're not – I mean, one of the reasons they're not going Kyle Busch and Brad Kozlowski is because they're the two black hats. If there's a black hat in the field – if there's the, quote, villain, it's Kyle Busch and it's Brad Keselowski. And Kyle Busch and Brad Keselowski are probably two of the most outspoken drivers when it comes to anything NASCAR is doing that doesn't make them happy. 
if you're going to put your marketing dollars behind something as a sport, are you going to promote Superman or are you going to promote the Joker? Or, I mean, you're going to Batman or the Joker. That's one of the things you look at. Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, they're try- I mean, NASCAR is trying to get the 18 to 34-year-old market. And Kyle Busch and Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, all good drivers, all championship-style drivers. Kyle and Brad have won championships. Joey's been close. But they want to get the younger generation in. Kyle Busch has a built-in thing for the younger generation because he's got M&Ms on the car. Because every little kid loves M&Ms, and every little kid wants to win, wants to watch the M&Ms car. So Kyle doesn't really need the promotion that he wants, but he's going to say, "Hey, wait! I paid my dues. When Jeff Gordon was the superstar, you guys promoted the living crap out of him. When Matt Kenseth was coming through, you didn't do crap for him because Matt Kenseth is milk toast." He's steady. He's always there. The only time you ever heard anything about Matt Kenneth whenever he went in deck, I mean, he went to punch Brad Keselowski at Richmond and whenever he put Joey Logano in Barnesville. Other than that, he came up the same class as Dale Jr. And you never heard anything about him. Everything was Dale Jr., Dale Jr., but Matt Kenseth was had a steadier, better career than Dale Jr. So it's one of those things. NASCAR is trying, they're flipping a coin and saying, okay, what do we do here? You got Bubba Wallace, who's the first African-American who's going to have a full-time ride in the television era, and have a, they have a chance to promote somebody and get a little bit of diversity into the crowd. Kyle Larson, I'm sorry, promote the living crap out of that boy because he can drive anything. He's phenomenal. And you promote people who win. Ryan Blaney won this year. Chase Elliott He's the son of a multi-time most popular driver and brings a fan base with him because Awesome Bill's folks are following little boy Chase. So there's no real wrong answer there. Blaney's funny. Bubba Wallace is funny. They both have great personalities. Jones, I still think they need to see, I need to see more from them, more from him before they promote him and make, make him the feature of NASCAR. And he's really got to show something this year because you put a guy who was in the playoffs last year and Matt Kenseth out of a ride for this young buck who's coming up. Eric Jones is a good driver. I don't know if he's Matt Kenseth. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, no, yeah. No, I, there's still a lot to be proven there. And, and here's my thing with this, John. I think when you look at, um, you know, it's an interesting debate because I believe that um, stars sell tickets especially in the cup series, uh, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. I, I don't think there was any doubt that I think NASCAR is a little bit fearful without him in the field, um, that he's going to really, um, you know, it's, it's going to hurt hit NASCAR in their performance. So maybe they're looking, like you said, trying to get the 18 to 24 guy, uh, demographic, 18 to 34 demographic in here. I'm not sure. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you want to make winning important. And these kids are being promoted and being, you know, given a lot of promotions without really winning anything yet. Sure, Larson's won some races. Sure, Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott hasn't won some races yet. Hasn't won a race yet. But, you know, you got to make making a championship and winning a championship and winning races significant. Because if you don't do that, 
then your sport's completely gone. That's kind of how I feel about the Hall of Fame, and we'll touch on that a little bit later on my on my theory in the Hall of Fame. But you know, you got to make it relevant. You got to make running up front important because that's what you're selling at the end of the day. When these guys strap on their helmets and jump into these race cars on Sunday, nobody cares about their personality. All they care about is a product on the racetrack. It, you know, sure they might win Monday through Friday on social media, great. But ultimately what NASCAR is selling as a sport is Sunday afternoon. And that means you have to have the best product possible. And, you know, to me, we're missing out on that. If you're promoting young kids who haven't proven themselves yet over veterans who have proven themselves, that's where you're losing is your Sunday afternoon where all the money is made is on Sunday afternoon. Um, So you got to be careful. And, you know, I, we're in an interesting point of this sport right now because there is a lot of turnover with these drivers. I still, you know, Dale Jr. came out and said he's going to think guys are going to, somebody else is going to retire at the end of this year. That's a veteran driver too. Um, And there's a lot, we could dive into this about the problems all day, but at the end of the day, uh, I just think we got to be careful to not make, you know, we got to, we got to be conscious that making winning races and winning championships is still important. No doubt Martin Truex Jr. is a star. Is, is His stardom is, has been risen, uh, but he's also got a tie to Dale Earnhardt Jr. You know, if Kyle Busch wins three championships, is that really going to make matter to these fan base? I don't know. Brad Keselowski, I don't know, but it should because these guys are really, really good race car drivers, and that's ultimately what we're selling on Sunday is the best of the best. And again, I just don't want to get to a situation where we're promoting a, a 19-year-old kid who doesn't have a, a long future in this sport, and we're, and we're taking away a Matt Kenseth who could win races and, and make the competition better. Um, that's my thoughts on that whole thing. A couple of things as we were talking about. Uh, in my head. Dale Jr., you were at Daytona. When Dale Jr. wrecked, how many people disappeared from the crowd? It fouled out like wildfire. Yeah, it did. It well, was Daytona. It, Friends and family, once Dale Jr. wrecked. You saw the same thing at Talladega. When Dale Jr. wrecked at Talladega, friends and family left at the race for the finish. The past few years, NASCAR's lost Dale Jr., Matt Kenseth, Jeff Gordon, Tony Stewart, Greg Biffle. um, There's countless others. Carl Edwards. Carl Edwards, huge fan bases. Huge fan bases. And they're not there. And people are searching for their new driver. So I kind of understand the way it was. I used to be a big Daryl Waltrip fan. And then when Daryl started get old and crappy and all that stuff, Davey Allison. Young buck coming up, loved Davey. Davey got killed in the helicopter crash, kind of wandered around for a couple of years looking for somebody to pull for. Tony Stewart comes into this, comes into the fold. Tony Stewart starts going away. Not sure who I like. I like Harvick because he's still at Stewart Haas Racing, and him and Rodney Childers are a great pair. I love watching them run. But I grew up watching 410 sprints, and I loved watching Dave Blaney drive a sprint car. My driver right now is Ryan Blaney. That's who I like watching. I like the way he controls the car. I think he's going to be a phenomenal star in this sport. I think a lot of NASCAR is trying to find, okay, 
if I'm a Jeff Gordon fan, there's no way in hell I'm going to root for Kyle Busch. Or if I'm a Matt Kenseth fan, there's no way in hell I'm going to root for Joey Logano. So they're looking at trying to find somebody to fit the fan bases of Tony Stewart, Jeff Gordon, Dale Jr., um, Carl Edwards, Matt Kenseth. Find them somebody to root for on Sunday because they're sitting there like me a few years ago and saying, I don't know who I'm going to like. And one of the, I you, look at, you look at Dale Jr., though, that guy never won a championship. There were years, a big gap from whenever he was at DEI when his dad was alive in the first few years after he lost his dad until he got to Hendrick and got Steve Letard on the pit box. Dale Jr. sucked. He was terrible. But he won the most popular driver every year because his name was Dale Earnhardt Jr. It wasn't because he was a great driver. He was good with the fans, but not as good as he was at the end. But he was Dale Earnhardt Jr., and that's why he's the most popular driver. So, it, I mean, the way this sport is, and Kevin Harvick said it a few weeks, I mean, a couple months ago, Jimmy Johnson should be the most popular driver by far. But he's not. He's got seven championships. He's going to push to get past Gordon for the amount of wins that he has. And he's okay. You see, his T-shirt sales are nothing compared to what juniors are, what Chase Elliott's are. But again, it's why is that, though? And that's the thing. And you say Jimmy is milk toast, and you're right. Low, part of the reason is Lowe's is a very, uh, you know, straight-hour sponsor. They don't like their drivers. Um, you know, going out and, and being brash. I mean, I know one time Mike Skinner was talking about when he was with Lowe's, you know, they were really upset when his son got in a little bit of trouble. And that was part of the reason why they left that 31 team to go to Jimmy Johnson. Uh, but, you know, is should NASCAR do a better job of, of promoting these guys who win? I mean, Jimmy Johnson, to me, going for eight championships is a big storyline, especially when you look at the fact and say, is Chevrolet going to be better this year because they have the uh, Camaro coming in this year and that should really not level the playing field, but, you know, catch them up a little bit to where Toyota was um, because they struggled, no doubt, at the end of last year. But should that be a bigger storyline than it is? I mean, we're coming in right now and the biggest storyline going into the Daytona 500, Danica Patrick running a one-off deal. whoop de do with premium motorsports. Uh, you know, you should be talking about Jimmy Johnson running for his eighth championship or, you know, um, you know, that that's the way I look at it is I just think for some reason, you know, Junior's sold and he's in, you're right. The name helped him a lot and Chase is the same way. His name's going to help him a lot too. Um, but we need to, to focus on teams that win. And maybe there is a little bit of Jimmy Johnson fatigue going around now, but um, again, I just think, not focusing on these and promoting these these drivers and teams who win could really hurt the sport. I think without a doubt. Let's look at Martin Truex Jr. The year that he had this year, unbelievable. I don't know of a year that's been like this in a long time. Probably back to the days of Jeff Gordon and the Rainbow Warriors is how good a year Martin Truex had compared to everybody else. And how much radio silence has there been since championship week? Yeah. You haven't even heard of him. Now, nope. part of it, he might be working with Sherry because, I mean, his uh, 
his girlfriend, Sherry Paulus, is going through cancer and doing cancer treatments. Maybe he's focused on taking care of her this offseason. But NASCAR hadn't done crap to promote him. And that's a great point. Uh, I think it's the best point you've made, uh, you've made in a long time. As far as saying that, because Truex is considered a veteran. And he's one, and he's a likable guy. He's got a great personality. Everything you talked about for these young kids, the likable guys, a good personality. Blaney's funny. Truex is exactly that. He's got a great story behind him with his wife, Sherry, and, and the, the amount of money they donate to charity and all the th- stuff that they do for charity. It's, you know, winning the championship, it couldn't have happened to a better guy. Uh, it, it really was an amazing, amazing accomplishment. And, and like you said, he had a dominant year. You haven't heard anything from him. Not one thing you've heard from him. And that's the part that, to me, NASCAR needs to do a better job at because you could make Martin Tricks Jr. A, a real big name here, and rightfully so because he's got such a good story behind it. If people outside of NASCAR knew what was going on with that and how much money he donated to charity, and, and we pointed to that and said, that's the guy we want representing our sport, boom. I mean, that is, that is what would be, bring people in. Not people goofing around on social media. I mean, that's just the way I look at it. I think there's somebody in the NASCAR tower down in Daytona. It's probably looking at Bubba, not just for the driver that he is, but for the impact he could possibly have. Same way they did with Danica. I mean, they have a driver that an African-American being able to run in the 21st century, a full-time ride. They have them with Richard Petty. So the old farts know who Richard Petty is. And a lot of the old farts that still stick with Richard Petty Motorsports, even though it's not been Richard Petty Motorsports since the mid-1980s, hasn't been anything worthwhile. But they're going to they're gonna stick with Richard Petty because Richard Petty's the king. And they're thinking they have a chance to get a whole new audience in with Bubba Wallace. The thing is, Bubba Wallace has been respectable. Bubba Wallace has won races in each series coming up. Bubba Wallace is a good driver. But there's somebody in that tower that's saying, boy, we got to market that boy. And he hasn't done anything at the cup level, and he's at a mid-pack team. And it's going to end up turning into another Danica thing unless he somehow gets himself into a top-notch team or Richard Childers ends up making sure that Richard Petty Motorsports performs the way Front Row, or I'm sorry, Furniture Row did the last year they were affiliated together. Now it's seven eight nine eight two eight zero. It's an interesting conversation, and um, if you want to join in, that's the number to call us nine one seven eight nine eight two eight zero. Clayton Caldwell, John Harlow, with you talking in circles tonight, talking about young drivers being promoted. Is that the right way to go? Um, and, and bringing up Bubba Wallace's name, and that's an interesting driver. He's such an interesting figure because, like you said, he's got a good personality. He's won races in a truck series. He hadn't won, hasn't won an Xfinity Series race yet. Um, and, and here's the thing that concerns me about him. And I, listen, I'm not a I, – I can't tell you why this happened. But last year there was an opportunity for Bubba Wallace in the middle of the year to be the first African-American driver ever to win the Xfinity Series championship, and no sponsor went to him and sponsored that car, um, no matter what NASCAR tried to do. So that, to me, is a little alarming when you look at that and say, just 
how much power does this kid have? There's not a ton of funding right now behind that 43 car either. I know they got a few races from Click and Close. The, the company that's sponsoring when the Daytona 500, they got a handful of races from STP. They got, I think, two or three from the United, United States Air Force. But there's a lot of empty sponsorship on that 43 car that's yet to be announced. And that's a little alarming. Um, you know, and if you get into the middle of May and June and, and he's 23rd in the point standings, it could be, it could be a, a, a dangerous situation where we, he could be in the same situation he was in last year. And RPM's looking to desperately to go out and, and bring somebody in who's got some funding. Um, it's an interesting situation. And, and I, I hope of Wallace, I hope it turns out to be great. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he wins some races. I hope he runs very, very well, competes for the championship, and sponsors flock to him. But, uh, you know, last year was a little alarming to me because, again, a sponsor had an opportunity to be part of a great story in the Xfinity series, and they weren't, and that's a little alarming. One of the things that I, may, I think makes a difference is Andrew Merstein, who is the money behind Richard Petty Motorsports, has money. He has a ton of money. He's the guy who owns a lot of licenses for cabs in New York City. Made his money on cabbing. And you take a cab in New York City, you go two blocks, and it costs you 20 bucks. So the, you're making a ton of money running those yellow cabs in New York City. So Andrew Merstein has money. He can throw at this if he really wants to. Jack Roush partnered with John Henry and the Fenway Sports Group years ago to make Roush Fenway Racing. I don't know how much money John Henry actually puts into that organization anymore. Sponsorship has always been a trouble, been trouble for Jack Roush. He lost Matt Kenseth because he didn't have sponsorship on the 17 car. He lost Jeff Burton because he didn't have sponsorship on the 99 car. He lost Bubba Wallace because he didn't have sponsorship on the 6 car in Xfinity. And he couldn't get it. And I don't know if Jack Roush is overpricing everything or whatever, but I think Andrew Merstein will make sure that that 43 has a fighting chance this year. Um, I, I think that's a, that's a valid point, but you know, take a look at Leaf Filter this year and uh, Blake Cook. I know Blake Cook didn't have a great year last year, but the uh, Khaled guy who owns Leaf, the Leaf Filter racing team, the Khaled racing team, you know, that was a sponsorship-funded team for a while. And I think he just kind of got tired of putting his own money into it and saying, eh. And now they had to go with Ryan Truex, who brought a little bit of extra funding there, and Ryan Truex is in the eleven. Barney Visser has a ton of money, uh, but he got tired of fund- footing the own, his own bill, and now he's got sponsorship on the 78. So you're right. You're right. Uh, these guys have a ton of money to do it, but it can only last for so long. And that's where, you know, the, until they get sick and tired of it and go, you know, I've had enough. It's either take sponsorship or get out. And um, that's where I get a little concerned. But you know, it's an interesting conversation, something we'll keep an eye on uh, for the rest of the year. 917-889-8280, John. Talking Circles, Clayton Cottle, John Harlow here with you. Interesting news. We talked about it last week. You predicted this, John, Thor Sport Racing. Announcing they, they, were, they announced earlier last week that they were leaving Toyota. This week they announced they will form a partnership with Ford. They will use the crate El- Elmore engines. Um, so an interesting topic of conversation there's something to keep an eye on 
What are your thoughts on Thor Sport Racing, Matt Crafton, Ben Rhodes, and uh, Grant Enfinger? Going to be the, the three drivers over there at Thor Sport Racing this year. What are your thoughts on them moving to Ford for 2018? I sure as hell wouldn't want to be in that shop the next 18 days. Those boys are going to be busy because up until last week, they were preparing Toyotas. They got one truck ready for the tests that they're doing right now. And Crafton, Ben Rhodes, and Grant Enfinger all split time in that truck because that's the only one they have. Um, Matt Crafton got a fan out of it. His dad, whenever Matt Crafton was coming up driving for his father, he drove a Ford in the uh, NASCAR Southwest Series. And whenever he went to Thor Sport and started driving a Chevy for them and then went to Toyota, his dad's like, I've only driven a Ford. I've only owned a Ford. I don't know if I can root for you. Well, Matt Crafton's happy to be back with a Ford. And I think it's a good move. I think Ford needs to stay in there. Um, I think Ford needs to expand a little bit in the truck series. Because you look at what Toyota's doing with Kyle Busch Motorsports. That is your feeder factory for the Toyota drivers coming up. And I think Ford needs to look at doing something like that with Thor Sport and maybe putting a second team in and possibly going that direction. I think it's going to be a tough move. I think it'll be really tough for um, Thor Sport to put more than one truck in the, in the playoffs. I think Matt Crafton will still find a way to get there because he's Matt Crafton. And I think once they get their uh, body stuff together and get the trucks built about midseason, you'll start seeing Matt Crafton come on. But you're going to see a big change at Thor Sport because look at what happened with Stuart Haas Racing last year, flipping from Chevy to Ford. It took them about two-thirds of the season to finally get the right notes, the right setups, everything under them that they could get. And they're not even using Roush Yates Power. They're using the crate engine from Ilmore. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, that's going to be, the, I think, the key in all this. How competitive, how fast will be the Elmore engine? That, that, to me, is what is going to determine whether or not Thor Sport has a successful year or not. I think it's easier for Ford. I wouldn't say easier, but uh, maybe a little bit better that they, that they don't have to provide engines in the truck series anymore and still get competitive. But how competitive is that engine going to be? It's a risky move because you leave Toyota and you go to a cheaper, I think, a, a cheaper engine supplier for Thor Sport Racing. Um, you know, and, and what people have to keep in mind is you know, they're a, a truck-only team. They don't really have an affiliation with anybody in Cup or Xfinity. They don't have a, a big-time Cup driver behind them, funding them like Kyle Busch Motorsports does. They don't have Toyota or a big-time manufacturer really sponsoring their trucks on a regular basis prior to, to this year. So they're kind of their own truck series team. They, have, they do very successful, but they don't have the buku bucks to spend on engines. Um, like, like Kyle Busch Motorsports might have with the affiliation. I'm sure Gibbs helps out that team as well. Um, so it's a, it's a financially, financially smart move for that team to do that, but it all depends on how fast this Elmore engine is. Because if it's slow and you get to, the, get to Atlanta and Las Vegas here in the, in the first couple of weeks of the season, and you sit there and you go, oh, boy, Thor Sport finished 8th, ninth, and 10th. They weren't very competitive. You scratch your head and you go, what's going on here? They go to Daytona and they qualify in the, mid, in the mid-teens. You go, boy, their engines aren't very good. This Elmore engine's not very fast. They're in trouble compared to the Toyotas, um, it could be a long year for them. 
So it was a risky move. I think one they're willing to take. I think they believe in the Elmore engine. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see. Um, but again, I think that's what it comes down to is, is how competitive is that engine? If the engine's fast, I think they'll be fine. If it's not fast, they could be in for a lot of trouble. I think um, if you look at when they do Daytona, Atlanta, and they go out west, when the truck series has that first break, they'll go to the dyno. And if the Toyotas and Chevys are blowing blowing the Elmore away, you watch there's a bigger tapered spacer on those two trucks, the Chevy and the Toyota. They're going to do everything in their power to make Elmore as equal to as the Toyota and the Chevy engines because they're hoping to make that standard for the series down the road. I think it's going to be a, I think the move to Ford is going to be a tough one for Thor sport, but I think with Matt Crafton, they will find a way to get into the playoffs because they have those couple week breaks before they get to Martinsville where Thor sport will have time to build more trucks they're using the same chassis. They're just moving the body around, changing from a Toyota body to a Chevy body. So by the time they get that put together and get it moved around, I think once they hit Martinsville moving forward, Thor Sport will start showing what they really are. I think Daytona is a crapshoot because, I mean, you stay in the draft, you hold your own. If you stay in the draft, you get that little kick at the end and somebody piles up. And if you make miss the pile up, you got a shot at winning. And, we saw that with Kaz Growler last year at Daytona. He was a 15th place truck most of the day. What was he in 10th place going into the final lap, but he wound up getting through it and win. So, I mean, Daytona's a crapshoot. Atlanta, I think Thor Sport will get a, get a lump. They'll get a beating in that race. But I think once they get through and they get those couple weeks off before they hit Martinsville, I think Thor Sport will be back to being Thor Sport. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting, interesting season to keep an eye on for that as far as how those MR engines hold up. Now in seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero talking circles, Clayton Caldwell, John Harlow. Something else I wanted to touch on, John, because there was some conversation about this. The Hall of Fame was this week. You got uh, five five NASCAR figures inducted. You had Red Byron, um, Ray Evernham, uh, Ron Hornaday Jr., Ken Squire, and Robert Yates. Obviously, Robert Yates, the late Robert Yates, got pat, uh, passed away uh, last year in, in 2017, you know, we did a lot of talk when they were, when it was induction, when these guys were inducted officially, were named for the Hall of Fame, and now they've been inducted officially, I should say. Um, but I wanted to get your take on the night. I know there was uh, a very emotional speech by Dale Jarrett. I thought that was done well for Robert Yates. And, uh, you know, I just want to get your touch, thoughts on, on the whole night uh, from the Hall of Fame. I think the Hall of Hall Fame, of fame uh, it went well. Uh, Ray Evernham was funny. He even joked that he might cry, but he said, no, that's Jeff's gig. He'll be able to do that next year because Gordon's eligible for the Hall of Fame in 2019. And if there's anybody who is unanimous for the Hall of Fame of the modern era, it's Jeff Gordon. Um, I think Ken Squire did a lot for the sport, but Ken Squire did not. No, not where he is. There's a me- There could be a media wing like there is in the Baseball Hall of Fame, but Ken Squire took a spot that could have been Davey Allison, Buddy Baker, somebody who strapped on the helmet 
or worked on a car and made racing. Ken Squire, Motor Racing Network, first uh, talk CBS into the live flag-to-flag coverage. Phenomenal broadcaster, not NASCAR Hall of Fame worthy. And I love Ken Squire. Nobody can paint a picture like that man. But he is no business being in the Hall of Fame with these other guys. Do a media wing. I mean, you've got the Barney Hall and Ken Squire for the broadcaster of the year. But no, he shouldn't be there. That should have been Buddy Baker or Davey Allison or Bobby Labonte or Terry Labonte, Alan Kowicki, not Ken Squire. I think the Robert Yates speech, I watched it, brought me to tears. Thank God Dale Jarrett voiced it and recorded it because there's no way in hell he could have did that without tearing up. I bet you that was 37 takes and edited to Helen back because that was as emotional of a speech as I've ever heard. That's right there with John Capaletti's Heisman Trophy acceptance speech in 1973 when he dedicated it to his brother who was dying of cancer. It was that good. I'm pissed that NASCAR's Hall of Fame voters didn't put Robert Yates in a year earlier. They knew he was dying. They knew he was a Hall of Famer. Do the smart thing and duck the guy while he's alive. And I Yates mean, he got... been in. Huh? Right. No, and, and, and Yates... I think Robert Yates, you know, the way I look at it is I think they looked at Robert Yates and said, oh, well, he's not as old as, as some other guys. We'll wait to put him in. I think Robert Yates should have been in a long time ago. He, to me, his resume was way better than a lot of the people that are already in. So I completely agree with you on that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Dale Jarrett won championship. Dale Jarrett won some races. Dale Jarrett was a mid-pack guy most of his career. He got his, what do you have, seven, eight good years? It wasn't anything spectacular. Kyle Busch has won more races than Dale Jarrett. Matt Kenseth has won more races than Dale Jarrett. Tony Stewart has won more races than Dale Jarrett. I think Carl Edwards might be close to Dale Jarrett. But Dale's I mean, in the Hall of Fame. races now, but yeah. He won a championship driving Robert Yates' car, and he's in the Hall of Fame. I think Robert Yates should have gone into the Hall of Fame before Dale Jarrett. And uh, I like and, and I love Dale Jarrett. I think Dale Jarrett was a good driver, too. And I, but I agree with you because I think when you look at Robert Yates, he had engines win races in NASCAR in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. And his son has taken that knowledge and tutelage that Robert gave to him and has put it into, into, the, into this century as well, in, into 2018. So, and it's going to go on for however, however, Doug, however long Doug Yates wants to work. It's going to go on to there. That's all you need to know. That, I didn't even mention what he did as a car owner. To me, that's, that's plenty enough to put him in the Hall of Fame, so I agree with you. Um, but you brought up an interesting point about this Hall of Fame because you talk about the numbers, you talk about the stats and everything, and I heard some conversation on the radio this week about the next five and who should be in the Hall of people that people named who should be in the Hall of Fame who uh, is, is not on, on the list. And you know, we could debate this all day, but I just want to say this. I want to get this out there. We have to be careful because some of the – and I want to say this first because some of the names I heard on the radio that some of the fans are calling up and suggesting to be in the Hall of Fame were, were ridiculous. 
I'm not going to mention any names, but it was just outrageous. So what we have oh, to be on, careful about with this Hall of Fame is we have to be careful to, not, to make this Hall of Fame not special. We have to make it special still. That this, all, only the special people get into it. Because if you induct everybody that's ever been in NASCAR into this Hall of Fame, then who cares? It's not really a, a great thing. It's just kind of pointless to have it. You have to make it the best of the best. And I don't care if it's the best. And, and I've said my piece on the truck series and, and, the, and the lower division drivers who I feel like they should have their own wing in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. The same thing with the broadcasters. I agree with you. I think they should have their own wings in there and a separate voting and all that kind of stuff. I would be totally okay with that because I think Cup is at a different level. Um, but that's, you know, that's a debate for a different day. I'm not saying those guys don't belong in the Hall of Fame. I'm just saying – they don't belong grouped with the cup guys because I think when you look at, at you know, and, and I feel that way because when Kyle Busch wins Xfinity Series races, people go, well, that's not really, it doesn't count because it's not a cup race. Okay, but, you know, we're putting Xfinity Series guys in the same Hall of Fame as Cup Series guys. So, that, but I'm getting on a tangent here, but as far as the Hall of Fame is concerned, we can't make the Hall of Fame put everybody that's ever strapped in a race car and won a championship or won a uh, one over five races, put them in a NASCAR Hall of Fame. And let's still make this Hall of Fame special. And that, and, and, and that would make this Hall of Fame uh, uh, better for it. And I think it would make uh, people want to go there. Um, and, and putting five guys in automatically or five people in automatically is, is a little much, I think. And I think that's something that we're going to have to look at here in the next two or three years. I think they're getting to the point where it's going to have to drop down. I think um, I think the Hall of Fame needs to be something special. I like the group that's voting for it. There's a lot of people who are Hall of Famers or a lot of people who have been car owners or a lot of people who have been longtime media members. You look at the Baseball Hall of Fame, you have to get 75% of the vote to get in. There's been years where nobody has gone into the Baseball Hall of Fame. I don't disagree. Jack Ingram was a hell of a driver. Richie Evans, hell of a driver. Richie Evans never ran cup. Um, Robert Yates, hell of a car owner. Should have been in before some of those guys. Ron Hornaday, great driver, four-time Truck Series champion, all-time Truck Series wins. Let me ask you something. Remember the movie Bull Durham? When Kevin Costner was the all-time minor league home run champion. Is he, would he ever have gotten a sniff into the Baseball Hall of Fame? No. The NASCAR Hall of Fame is a whole different world because they lump anything that's in NASCAR. Hell, you could be a 15-time track champion at Hampton Speed, I mean, at um, Langley Speedway, and you could end up being in the Hall of Fame because they're putting five in every year. There's only 100 and some people who have won cup races in the history of the sport. I still don't get how Ron Hornaday Jr., who is a great race car driver, four-time truck series champion, all-time truck winner, how he's in ahead of Roger Penske, how he's in ahead of Joe Gibbs. Right? Oh, Joe Gibbs Joe Gibbs has done more for the sport than Ron Hornaday Jr. did. Roger Penske's done more for the sport than Ron Hornaday Jr. has. There are some really, really great people who've done amazing things at the cup level. And that's our big leagues. Mm -hmm. 
Put the put the minor leagues in their own wing, like we like you said, like I said with the media folks. Put the minor leagues in their own wing. I agree. Maybe have one Cup driver, one Xfinity driver, one um, truck driver. Do it that way each year, but make sure that everybody's in their own wing. Don't compete Ron Hornaday Jr. against Roger Penske because in the reality of the world. Ron Hornaday Jr. is a speck of dust in Roger Penske's contribution to the sport. And think about from this angle. You know, you talk about Richie Evans, and Richie Evans is fantastic. Belongs in an NASCAR Hall of Fame. But think about it this way. Jeff Bodine, who in 1979 won over 100 modified races, and uh, as a modified driver, set records that will never be broken. He should be, in the, for that alone, he should be in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Already, I think. Dick Trickle. But what, what hurts Jeff Bodine is Jeff Bodine ran in the premier series in NASCAR, and that's why he's not in the Hall of Fame. To me, that doesn't sit – it just doesn't sit well with me. That Jeff Bodine, because Jeff Bodine went and, and ran in, a, in, a, in the elite level of motorsports at that time – He's not in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. He could have sat down there and modified them and beat everybody up, but he didn't do that. He went to the Cup Series, and to me, that's where I kind of sit there and go, eh, that doesn't sit right with me. Um, and no Jeff Bodine, no Rick Hendrick. Right. And, and, Jeff Bodine does not win at Martinsville. All-Star Motorsports does not become Hendrick Motorsports, and Rick Hendrick is selling used cars in Charlotte. And right, and people are going to throw his cup career and go, "Well, he only won 18 cup races," but he but he also won a million modified races. So when it, to me, it's just running cups shouldn't hurt you as far as the Hall of Fame is concerned. That's why I think you're you're, you're on a slippery slope here with this Hall of Fame and and and, and uh, clumping everybody together. Um, you know, we we could debate all night about this, John. I think it's a really interesting topic. Uh, it's something that a lot of people are passionate about. I've gotten plenty of arguments about, um, but at the end of the day, I, I, that's the way I feel about it. And, uh, you know, they're not going to change it now because they've, they've already invested these guys, but um, I just think it puts NASCAR in a, on a slippery slope. I think uh, one thing I before, pre- we leave, before we Go leave, ahead. Clayton, one of the things when it comes to the Hall of Fame, we can debate all we want about who should be and who shouldn't be. But I can tell you this. Let's remember the amazing speech that Robert Yates would have given if he was alive to give it. Absolutely. I agree with you there. I want to thank everybody for listening to Talking Circles tonight. Be here Sunday night as we give the preview for the 2018 season. Good night, everybody. We'll see you next time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.